Boy, a humiliating almost $4 million pay cut. Keith, you know, that's, that's a biggie at CBS. Carolyn Beasley gets really candid about some things going on at her station about billing and streaming some really interesting data on his streaming on her radio stations in the Beasley Group. TV audiences are cut in half from 10 years ago, but the political dollars continue to surge. Make it so rain. How, Make it rain. Yeah. And then it does. And, and so the question is, how long is that going to last? Good morning. We are back with another episode of Media Insultant. It's our opinions, comments, thoughts, and ideas on things going on in the media. We kind of target sales, sales management, general management, group leadership on the traditional media side, radio and TV, but we'll dabble a little in digital as it affects, or print as it affects uh, those salespeople. I'm Jackson Weaver. I'm in suburban Seattle out in Kirkland, and my co-host is in Hollywood. Keith Samuels is in Southern California. And we do this each Tuesday and Friday. So today we'd like to welcome you to the Friday, June 10th episode of Media Insultant. Keith, we're going to start and flip things around. We're going to do a little housekeeping. You know, we get comments from time to time, but... We'd like to get the address, the email address for comments up front instead of in the back. Okay. So I'm just going to say anybody's got comments, we'd love to hear from you. Jackson at InTownMedia.com. Uh, we ask that you keep it clean or not. It doesn't really matter a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> Entertain us. But we'd always love to hear any comments you've got. All right. This uh, initial story that we're going to talk about today is something you and I have talked about, about the growing importance of streaming for terrestrial traditional radio stations. Mm -hmm. The national average appears to be about 11%, which is beginning to be significant. And I've been involved with stations where it's substantially more because of the uniqueness of the format or coverage or some other factors. Mm -hmm. And now comes Carolyn Beasley, who goes to a media conference, the Gabella Media Conference. Can't tell you I'd ever heard of it, but, you know, they probably haven't heard of us, so <laughs> we're even on it. And she had some surprising information. You know, she, she talked about streaming as a component of their audience on some of their key stations, like their Philadelphia rocker, WMMR, which mm -hmm. is legendary. 38% of their audience is stream. And 58% of WBZ, Boston, which is sports, mm, yeah. I can see that making some sense, particularly when you get out-of-town fans who've left Boston, still are Boston Red Sox or Bruins fans or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, I know, and I know a lot of those guys, so yeah, it's a big yeah, deal. It is a big deal. And then uh, WRAF, which is their Detroit rocker, 60% of their audience is coming out of streaming. Are you surprised on this, Keith? What, what's your what's your reaction to her numbers? Well, as a as a streamer myself of traditional of terrestrial radio stations, because of where I live in the hills, I can't get ninety nine percent of the FM stations in the market, and and AM isn't much better. So I yeah I stream a lot, but I'm still surprised that it's this high. I'm I'm wondering if this is still a lag from from COVID where everybody was home and everybody streams at home now, right? Through their smart speakers and they're through their computer and through their, their, their phones. So I get that. I wonder if this will stay steady or if this is a, a harbinger of, of things to come. But in the end, other than, other than the power bill to pay for your transmitter cranking out the signal, 
it does it really matter? Uh, you know, if, if, if a listener to WMMR is a listener to WMMR, I don't care how they listen, right? They're hearing it and they're listening and they're hearing the spots. So, you know, some of the stations have split their feeds, some don't. I, I've always argued never split your feed right. because, first of all, it, it sounds terrible. They, and, and then you end up having inventory that you have to fill. So stations run stupid PSAs and they run them over and over and over again. And I think the stations that are smart are streaming their over-the-air signal. But the problem is they have never been able to really charge for it. It's right. really hard to go to somebody and say, well, okay, the, your rate is, is 50 bucks. We're going to ask you to pay 60 bucks because we have this streaming audience. If you now say to me, look, but 58% of my audience is, is streaming. And I'm going, okay, so I'm paying 100 bucks a spot. I'm going to pay $58 for your stream, and I'm paying $42 for on air. How's that work? It's $100. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, well, again, the, you know, the, the advertisers probably say, well, I don't really care where they're hearing it, but you're not going to charge me more because those people used to be on the, you know, listening on the air. Now they're listening through the stream. So I, I, it's a sales challenge, I'm sure, that somebody's facing. But the guy, but, you know, iHeart does it a different, it's a different model, as I understand it, because they do separate their stream. And they, they do, and, and so, but they aggregate all of those streaming audiences on their iHeart app, both locally and nationally. You know, they are selling it separately. And gosh, yes, you do hear a lot of podcast promos on there, but uh, and and some other kind of you know, wow, how did that advertiser get on there? Well, it's it's a low cost buy. You know, they seem to be making it work. That not everybody else has that that power of aggregation and that footprint to be able to really drive, you know, these these local and national buys on the stream. So I'd like to learn more from folks who are doing streaming and how they're how they're selling it, how they're how and how they're pricing it. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's really an, it's a it's a real interesting part. And as we've talked about hybrid radio, where over the air blends with your stream, it's going to become more and more important for, yeah, but Jackson, for individual radio stations. Jackson. Carolyn had a lot more to say. So, uh, you know, what, what other nuggets did she drop at the Cabellia media conference? She had a couple of th- uh, key things. One thing, she said they've already hit 50% of their political, and the political season hasn't even started. So it's going to be one hell of a year politically, even for radio. Although everything I see says radio is going to get maybe 2 3% of the uh, total advertising budget out of political. Well, but in you when you auto, when, when you look at her before you go to auto, when you look at her her station mix, her market mix, I mean, there is no I don't I don't know of a group that has better markets for political dollars than Carolyn does with Beasley. Georgia, Pennsylvania, how, how, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Michigan, oh my god, North Carolina, Florida, you know, uh, you know, it's it's New Jersey. I, I mean, it's this is this is a and Massachusetts. This is a freaking layup. She can't get yeah. out of the way of political dollars. And if she's at fifty percent of her of her twenty twenty two budget in in early June, it's going to be insane. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Well, and the point I was going to make also is that the biggest category now for the radio stations is consumer services, which mm-hmm. I define as everything from leaf guard to tax prep. And it's really interesting how this consumer services category has grown. It used to be, of course, cars were the biggest. Yeah. But according to Beasley, they're down to about the fifth largest category. And we're, um, we're going to talk about that over the next couple of shows in, in another episode because uh, that's probably not going to change. 
in the near future. Uh, 80% of their markets, excuse me, 80% of their revenue is local, but national, they said dropped to, she said dropped down to about 16% last quarter. I'm surprised it's that high. And the only thing I can attribute that 80% to is that it's a fairly, they're fairly robust local markets because, uh, excuse me, let me re- twist that around. <laughs> Most markets, certainly if, if you get out of the top 20, national is going to account for maybe 10%. And so when she says that uh, 16 to 20% of their business is national, that's pretty impressive. You know, that indicates these are still fairly robust national markets. Yeah, and you know, and I, I just, I just, I'm getting too old, you know, or getting old enough to remember when national was probably 25 to 30%, maybe even higher yeah. for, for major market stations. So I, I find that trend really interesting, you know, borderline disturbing. Where are the national dollars going? The only problem for her in judging national is that there's a lot of national dollars that come out of the market she's in that they take as local. How many of us made national sales calls with our national reps in Detroit? That would right. be me. Right. You know, if, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you, you know, New York, New York, the agencies in New York are buying national buys, but they're probably buying that New York, New Jersey, that tri-state region with Connecticut, buying that locally through the big agencies in Manhattan. So. Probably the same thing in Boston. To a certain extent, probably the same thing in Charlotte. Uh, certainly in Atlanta, there's a lot of national money that comes out of Atlanta that they take locally because they're in the market. So, uh, you know, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let's let's ask around and see if this 80, 20, 84, 16 percent breakout of national versus local is unique to Beasley, or if that's really what's going on everywhere else. Because I think she's getting a lot of what we would take as national. She's taking it as local. Well, a couple other uh, interesting stats before we move on here. Um, their biggest market is in Boston. Yeah, they have forty-three percent share of the market. They have, which is which it's is insane. amazing. Detroit, Detroit, however, they only get twenty-one percent because she says we are not adequately clustered. And I, you know, I guess it comes back to something we talk about often. You know. These are markets are no longer safe places for single operators. You know, a couple of AMs, a couple or a couple of FMs, a couple of AMs. You're going to really struggle to get any share, no yeah. matter your, your ratings. But time out, Carolyn. Come on, come on, Carolyn. Back in 2016, Beasley bought one of the best run groups in American radio. It was called Greater Media. Okay, right. And uh, and Peter Smythe, who was the CEO of Greater Media, is one of the greatest radio CEOs ever great guy, still around blogging and doing some consulting, had management managers like John Fulham, who saved Odyssey in Denver for a couple of times, and other markets. Detroit was one of the greater media markets. Boston was one of them. Charlotte, Philadelphia. So to say they weren't adequately clustered. Greater media Detroit was a great cluster, great radio stations. I don't see how that's become a cluster F, if you will, right? I mean, I don't get that. Boston, you know, she, she cherry-picked the stations that she wanted in Boston and, and, and did great there as well. So, you know, I'm not – I, 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 I kind of take that, that comment personally because I, I helped, you know, train most of those people in Detroit at one point. So I think that's a little harsh to say okay. they're not adequately clustered. What is, so I guess the, the answer to your question is what the hell does that mean? Because they're certainly well, well-run radio stations. It's an interesting point, and you know, as as we always say when when we get this kind of information, you know, there's always the untold story. Yeah, and whether the market is adequately clustered or inadequately managed, 
two different things. Yeah. And she's not in a position at a conference like that to say, we just don't know what the hell we're doing in Detroit, <laughs> which I don't think is her problem, but she's not free to say that. All right. Yeah. Not adequately clustered is basically saying we don't know what we're doing. It's like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> but, you know, uh, but they're, they're, in some, they're in some great markets and she should, she should kiss the ground that Peter Smythe walks on every day yep. because he, yep. th- that, that, they took over a great group. And, and, and to, to her credit, she hasn't screwed it up. You know, we've seen we've seen groups get screwed up, uh, and she hasn't. And and they they barely maintain the strength of those assets. She has she has done a great job. All right, somebody who is struggling, down from eight million to three point eight million in salary is Nora O'Donnell, who anchors the CBS Evening News. And this is something we've talked about a couple of times: the cost cutting that co- CBS co-president Nareej Kemlani right. Has um, has been invoking. This is a huge deal to go from eight million to three point eight. I mean, this is humiliating for her. I think, frankly, he cut her with the expectation that she would say, uh, "I'm out of here." You yeah, know? yeah. I'll, he made... I'll go. I'll go to the Chick Fil A. They've got an opening there. Yeah, he did. He did the low ball offer, and oh my God, she took it. And she took it. <laughs> and you know, I think uh, you know the the New York Post is the one who's reporting this, and uh, they're a little. Uh, and they get some pretty good stuff. Uh, they get some pretty good stuff. The rest of us don't don't hear in the business, uh, the, but because that was the rumors that she was lowballed. But they neither one of them had an option. He didn't right. have anybody else to step into her place, and she was going nowhere. She she's supposed to be tough to work with, and and I think that's unfortunate. Uh, you know, no one wants to work with her, is what people say. I don't know how in this day and age somebody can is difficult to work with. How much awareness do we need? How much ayahuasca do people have to take to figure out that working with people is so important and turn off your asshole switch and you know just mellow out. You know, her her drive to be uh, apparently to be the number one news anchor at uh, five o'clock, the early news for, for CBS has turned her into a raving bitch. Nobody wants to work with her. Well, how does that work out for her? So, well, it, yeah, it, well, it's it's working out to the fact that she's the lowest rated of the three major networks for the evening news, by a long um, shot. By a long shot, um, and she goes from uh, eight to three point eight because there's nowhere else to go. No one else is going to pay her anywhere near that. Um, so, you know, it's just and and Niraj is 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 trying to cut expenses. I mean, he's he's overseeing a very expensive news operation. We've talked about this before. You know, in the end, there's continuity for the evening news at CBS with Nora continuing as the anchor, even though she's a, uh, you know, a toxic prima donna uh, to work with. But it's 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 a lot cheaper than promoting somebody new who's going to get who's going to lose half the audience overnight. So this is a I think it's it, you know it turns out when I thought about this over the weekend that it was a pretty smart play by Kim Lani to go you know what at your audience level with the degree of difficulty in working with you, here's the number. Are you in? And she went, yeah, I'm in. And so she's in. Well, yeah, okay, okay. But Keith, come on. Well, look how toxic that's been. You've been around people that have had their payroll cut, their salary cut. They are not happy employees from there on out. And she wasn't happy to begin with. She's <laughs> going to be terrible to work with in all likelihood. I mean, I don't know, but I would assume she's going to, because nobody wants to be in that. She's been humiliated. It's in the public. And not only that, but, you know, this is one of those I want to get back at you. I don't think he made a good choice. I think he should have cut her and, you know, brought in somebody else. I mean, look at uh, Lester Holt, 
Lester Holt comes in at a fraction of the awareness and the mm-hmm. uh, and the salary that uh, the anchor he replaced was. And I'm, who was it? Was it wasn't Tom Brokaw? It was it shows you how long ago <laughs> I yeah, watched yeah. NBC News. <laughs> but oh, it was it was Matt um, Matt Lauer. Lauer. Yeah. Matt Lauer. No, so Matt was Matt, Matt was Today's show. But Matt wasn't doing the evening news, was he? Wasn't he? Uh, okay. Well, well, well who, wait a minute. He, was, he was. was doing the assistance in the Matt Lauer special couch convertible sofa room, right? He was like yeah. doing that thing. Um, he was working that room. So, yeah, yeah. You have, the, you have these people that think they're bulletproof, okay? And these are major stars, and they're major stars in New York, so they always get a table at the restaurant. They always get Broadway tickets. They're, they're driven all around Manhattan. They live a life of which neither of us are familiar. And so, you know... You get you get to become this kind of prima donna, and you think you can treat people that way. Lauer was you know was was sexually abusing you know sexually harassing people, and so it's just like they just they they think they're bulletproof, you know. In this case, uh, Kemlani got what he wanted, which was which was a four point two million dollar reduction in salary, saves him a lot of dough. He could have flown a few guys out of out of uh, Afghanistan uh, Afghanistan for that money, but you know, hey, he's he's saving it. And, and Norris stays in the game. So, uh, but you know, the, the thing is, if I'm a local sales guy, if I'm working at Channel Two in LA, I'm you know, and I'm trying to sell the low-rated, the, the few local spots I've got in the network news this week, it's like okay, whatever, I'll sell a few of that. But the problem for local guys is that that low number affects what you get when you get you run your syndicated show right at seven thirty. Right. So when you right. when you're running whether it's you know Jeopardy or it's uh, you know. Uh, uh, um, you know, spin the wheel, wheel of, of fortune, fortune you know, all that stuff. You got to, you got re- to really dig out from a low number to bring a number back in uh, to sell. And that's, that's where these, that's where local folks get affected is, is the, uh, the, you know, the prime access, you know, time. And uh, yeah, the lead in, the, the, the lead, lead in, in is, is yeah. critical, critically important, you know, yeah. particularly as the audience is aged. So, yeah. all right, we got to move on. Uh, we talked about midterm uh, revenue that came from politics for Beasley so Cantor has got a study out that talks about the advertising for OTA television, and it's just going to be—it's just going to be unbelievable. They're projecting five and a half billion dollars, up a billion dollars from the last midterm. Mm-hmm. They break it out, and radio—oh, this is just sad. Radio gets less than four percent. Two hundred and fifteen million out of two hundred or out of five and a half billion. I mean, it's just pathetic. Facebook and, and Google both get 1.2 billion. Mm-hmm. Even CTV gets 1.2 billion. Yeah. So I look at this, and and my question, Keith, and the number one question I've got is: Is all media going to be so saturated with political over the next couple of election cycles that two things happen? One, nobody watches OTA anymore. Two, the the audience level continues to decline to the point where the agencies and the political parties finally say. Why are we putting money in when nobody watches? It doesn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. Have, are we going to reach that point here pretty quickly in the next couple of cycles? What do you think? Well, I, th- I still think that that you know terrestrial media, over-the-air media, radio and television is probably the best way and most efficient way to become famous is to get re- name recognition quickly, and that's what mass media does. What we're seeing is is that that's for national races. And for um, uh, you know governor races and you know in their state and so forth, but what's interesting is that digital and connected TV now allow you to 
to pinpoint your audience, to really target that to just the people in your, pretty close to, just the people in your district, you know, or your city. You know, we're, we're going through a mayoral race that ends tomorrow here in L.A. Well, that doesn't end. It's the, it's the technically the primary, and if nobody wins a, a majority, then we'll have a runoff this fall. It's a lot of digital. Over the air just finally hit the last couple of weeks, but it's direct mail and digital. And you can't, on YouTube, if you're streaming stuff on YouTube, you can't avoid an ad from Rick Russo or from Karen Bass, the two leading candidates for for mayor in L.A. I mean, they have just consumed everything, and you can't skip it. It's crazy. So, you know, that's where these digital companies are really going to score a lot of dollars because they can avoid the wastage that that you'd you'd get if you were running for for Congress in Orange County and you had to buy L.A. radio to do it. They'll still do some. And I think the sum will still be a lot to, to be built to, to build fame, but the growth I don't think will be in over the air. The growth is going to be in digital and connected TV. So you know, uh, and, and and to the point at which I was, we were watching a show on 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 YouTube last night, and we were rerunning some things from the Queen's Jubilee, and about a half hour, forty five minutes in, they they said, "Here's two commercials." And the two commercials were going to be five minutes. So they ran a 60 and a four-minute commercial. Four minutes. Have you ever tried to sit wow. through a four-minute spot? You can sit through four 60-second spots a lot more easily than a four-minute spot for these goofy, squishy slippers. It was so random and out of this. It was like crazy. I'm out of here. So I think the digital guys are going to kill the golden goose pretty soon by just oversaturating it. And now we're going to get Netflix with ads. We're going to get, we have Disney tier with ads. You're going to have all these tiers with ads. And guess who's going to fill those ads every political season? Political. You know, so that's what we're going to, so I think they're going to drive, political is going to drive the audience away wherever you are. And it's a lot easier to tune out a digital or just as easy to tune out a digital as it is to tune out of your uh, over-the-air television station. Over-the-air, yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting couple of election cycles, and I predict the day will come when the television stations will wake up and go, nobody's calling. We're wide <laughs> yeah. open. Nobody's calling. But for now, right, we're out of time, Keith. Bring us the money. We are, <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> well, I, don't, I think the money's going to go away at some point. Anyway, we're out of here. Media Insultants drops new shows each Tuesday and Friday. And we're on all the podcasting platforms. And, of course, video is under the Media Insultant Showcase at Vimeo. Yep. Uh, we're a production of InTown Media. We'd love to hear any comments. Jackson at InTown Media. Anytime you want to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear it. Media Insultant will be back next week on Tuesday, Keith. And I look forward to talking to you then. Have a great weekend, Jackson. See you then. <laughs>